0: I usually i watch them sometimes
1: hmm?
0: then we go get mo how get waterboarded on, on the internet
1: or I can just come over there and waterboard you in the next room
0: oh that's cool too <laughs>
2: hey we don't need a water shortage here okay people <laughs> <laughs> we're dealing with a crisis
0: no waterboarding <laughs> for the next six weeks this is this is why we took all the toilet paper no toilet papering either
1: but I have a toilet right in front of me I'm in the bathroom now.
2: Mm. Just shit in the shower and squish that, squish yeah. that stuff down. <laughs> Waffle
3: the
1: and
2: down the drain.
1: Jesus Christ. Did record so we could talk this in. We've,
2: we've been recording. <laughs>
1: oh, you already you made report oh, Jesus Christ.
2: <laughs>
1: okay, I'm going to talk the intro in. All
2: right, carry on. Ah,
1: the beautiful sounds of the birds in the rain. Forest, <laughs> welcome to motorcycle <laughs> vagabond show and today we're going to talk about veterans and motorcycles and um, homelessness versus houseless and uh yeah this is z
0: i'm dakota and i'm aj
1: yeah so the free talk on the show this is going to be quite interesting towards our real show i have a feeling this is going to be entirety of a shit show
2: I like shit shows. They're my favorite shows.
1: Hmm. And so, anyways, the guest is AJ. Say hi, AJ. <clears> and, uh, <throat> a bit about what you ride and what you do.
0: Um, uh, I'm AJ. I ride currently I ride a 2019 Harley Road Glide. It's it's a Harley. Don't hold that against me. Um, I have a GPS that frequently tries to kill me. That's pretty awesome. Um I ride a lot. I use it as avoidance behavior so I don't have to socialize because, well, the Army ruined that for me. So, yeah, that's what I do. Questions, comments, concerns. Great show. Yeah, all <laughs> right, goodbye, everyone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, AJ also used to ride a Victory, which uh, both AJ and I have been on cross oh, countries during our Vagabond tour.
0: Best bike ever. Best Best bagger ever, hands down. Okay, all right. 2014, I was going to say
2: best bike ever.
0: Dakota <laughs> <know. laughs> I mean, doesn't hustle. do cruisers.
2: There's some controversy there.
0: Yeah. No, best, I, I will go, I, I, I will correct my, amend my statement. Wholeheartedly, I think it was the best bagger ever. And I think Polaris fucked itself when it took it off the market. Mm. So. But yeah, that's that's something that's, that's like my political belief. Don't don't get like that's my religion right there. Let, let's not discuss that. It's hostile. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: oh, we love controversies too. So all good, you know. Oh okay. Well then, yes, hands down,
0: best bike ever because it did everything that a fifty cc dirt bike could do and then some.
2: Doubt, Bullshit. It. <laughs> doubt it. Hundred <laughs> <100%.
1: laughs>
2: percent.
0: Yeah. No, best hands down, best best backer. I have ever ridden um and it's also actually the current record holder for the fastest trip around the world on on a motorcycle uh held by a swiss guy named grizz who did it on a heavily modified 2012 i believe um victory cross country isn't it cross country
2: then if it's heavily modified
0: um it, it is, he maintained the, the chassis. The only thing, the things that he modified was put a bigger gas tank on it and some other minor peripherals, but like the chassis is the same, the engine, um, I believe the engine had to stay the same. I, I'm not sure, I'm a little fuzzy on what the Guinness Book of World Record requirement to use the motorcycle was, but I'm sure that it was... that was his base motorcycle because that was the best motorcycle on the market for what he wanted to do. Um, Hands down between it it came down between that and uh, a street glide. And Mm. he chose that. It was initially he was trying the, the uh, there was a BMW involved. I think it was the RS 1200. um, And then the, the cruisers, and he ended up doing it on the on the victory cross-country. So hmm. really really interesting story there from several yeah, years it back.
1: Interesting victory tidbit. But um yeah. so what kind of inspired this podcast was that <clears throat> I drug AJ onto motorcycles, motorcycles and misfits podcast oh, a couple of years ago. And he's varyingly had people message him asking him about like his stance on homeless versus houseless. And especially in regards to to veterans, because oftentimes when you hear veteran homeless veteran, everyone's just like, "Ugh, fucking typical trash, whatever <laughs> but a j decided to be homeless or houseless, I should say by living on a motorcycle, and um people want to hear about that stance, and he doesn't care to talk to people outside of when I drag him into shit
0: <laughs> so a lot of uh, a lot of this definition stuff is starting out with the personal view that if you're homeless, it's the inability through whatever mechanism to maintain a, a residence, um, whether it be um, a psychological disorder, a health disorder, or whatever it is, um, they're unable to maintain a residential address. Whereas houseless has, for me, was a definition change because it's something I'm choosing to do. Like, I'm, not, I'm not trying to panhandle, garner sympathy. It's simply, it's an active choice I made. And a lot of it actually had to do with my own psychological health care. Is I, you know, in order for me to be healthy, I need to be away from everything. And then it becomes kind of addictive. Or it becomes extremely addictive to, to do this. Um, so when you get into that, like the number of people within the veteran community who are actually homeless versus choosing not to live in a home is something that I've always I always wonder about um not a lot of people are willing to talk about that because it's a very personal piece of information
1: that and i think people who have never been um willfully houseless or even homeless even think about that like most people just automatically assume as they do with motorcycles if it's a cruiser it's a harley just like if you're homeless it's because well you're failing at something not because you choose it right um,
0: so a lot of this was, it, it actually, for me, started out as, um, avoidance behavior. Um, i every time something bad has happened, it's because there was a plan. So, you know, take the planning out of it, just turn it into pure chaos where I'm going to be in a given day. No one knows. I don't know. So the stress is gone. So that's, that's where that comes from. Now, the complication with that. Being a being a, a veteran is I get tied down a lot with like healthcare requirements. And I have to Oh wait, wait, have, wait, wait.
1: Uh, Why do you have healthcare problems?
0: Um okay, so the like being a, a disabled veteran, you have minimum healthcare requirements, like I have to see a doctor twice a month or twice a year. Um, and then I have to my general practitioner I have to see twice a year and now my party now I have to see a cardiologist once a year because of my um medical issues and then I have to see a a psychiatrist or psychologist one of the two um every couple months so that's kind of where I'm at and the VA does not travel well like they travel well for emergency like I've had emergency care can't really complain. Was um was that with the
1: fire ants? Emergency care yep. with the VA, or was that
0: no, that was emergency care provided by a civilian company that was paid for by the VA. And that's one of the cool things like military health care and VA health care, lifelim or eyesight. I respond I, I go to the nearest hospital and the VA covers it because I'm a hundred percent. So a lot of it depends on what percentage. The veteran is at as to how much if anything is covered by the VA in an emergency situation um since I'm a thousand and eighty percent they cover everything so if I, I thought it was like six hundred
1: thousand yeah
0: if I if I have live or eyesight then it, I walk into the nearest hospital and the VA will cover it up to the point of like if it requires long-term care they ha- they have the right to transfer me to a VA hospital um but for acute like immediate care they will cover that so but
1: for, for the regular veteran they'd probably be stuck to their own network wherever they choose to like quote-unquote home base
0: well not so emergency care is anywhere in the United States like life or site like if I'm in a if I'm in a motorcycle wreck in um Upstate in the Adirondacks, up in New York, um, and I'm living and I, my my resident, my healthcare network is out of, say, Phoenix, Arizona. Um, if I'm in an accident and they take me to a hospital in upstate New York, up in Syracuse, then the VA covers that that immediate care. Now, like three days later, I've been stabilized. They're talking like my hip surgery that I'm going to need. Um, Long term, like, hey, I'm going to be in a bed for six eight weeks with a freaking halo because I broke my neck. Then the VA can come in and be like, we're going to transfer you to the to the VA hospital. But that initial life saving care can be done at the nearest hospital to the side of the accident.
1: And you say that's for all veterans or for only a certain percentage of disabilities? Okay,
0: so if depending on the level of disability you have and how much the VA covers, and for each individual, it's unique. So they need to check with the patient administration at their local VA clinic or hospital as to what they qualify for, because it's always better to talk to these subject matter experts about it than it is to. Get the advice from some guy on the radio <laughs> or <a> podcast. <laughs> but he
1: said and say, don't call yeah. us radio. We're not that professional.
0: Yeah, but he's you know, I, it's not the I don't want to give a piece of advice and then you know have someone angry at me because their particular case that I know nothing about is you know was not covered. Like there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. So if you if you have if you qualify for VA care, like you have you're disabled through the military, you were medically discharged from the military, or you were retired with a medical discharge, or you have a history of issues stemming from met from military service. Like get yourself checked out. The worst they're gonna say is you get zero compensation. Like that's the worst thing that they can possibly say. You know, but anything that is found to be in the line of service, they cover. Now Monetary versus healthcare, that's a whole separate bag of beans that, you know, you need to talk to, like, lawyers and experts about. That's just now, it's a, wanna, it's an option that's out there.
1: I want to mostly just hear about how, like, you, you choosing the homeless or houseless life, how you've maintained your, you know, legal residence and a certain okay. network that you go back to.
0: All right. So originally um, when I decided to do this my my biggest issue was I need cardiac care and quite frankly if anybody has ever been through the VA system it's a little scary um, just in general or anything um, so when I was getting ready to put down where I wanted it where I was going to be treated I kind of had narrowed it down to three areas and a lot of it has to do with there's a lot of VAs now that uh, do, that work with like, look, look, work with some pretty high profile schools so you end up getting seen on the civilian side or by a civilian provider who's in the who's in a school program which is fairly, fairly cool um, so I ended up Picking the Cumberland Valley area, which is in Tennessee, because they work with Vanderbilt University, which is a very, 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 very good cardiology program. Um, and I have a, a couple of my friends who live there who are nice enough to provide a room for me when I am in town. Actually, it's like a permanent room when I'm in town. Um, I get to show up pretty much whenever I want. I help out around their place, and I entertain. I'm, I'm cheap entertainment, and so I go to I go there. And once you once you're seen, you can actually if you stay if you're personally responsible enough and you stay up on your medication, you can have you can call it in and have them mail it anywhere. But it has to come from that originating facility. So, like, if I'm running out of medication and I'm in Washington, I can't just call the local VA and have them mail it to me. It has to come from my has to come from my originating, originating VA in Tennessee. Um, now, the upside to this is, like, let's say I'm retarded, because I am more often than not, and I miscount my medication, and I don't have enough medication to get me to a point where they're where they can mail me my refill i can go into the va in washington and register there and they'll give me what's called a bridge fill which is a 10-day supply that will carry me through until the medication comes from my referring or from my original va system does that make sense
1: makes sense Um, so we are talking about how you need medication and whatever, but as far as, you know, I I know you pretty well, we've been friends for a long while. Um, you're one of the most extreme cases that you actually, um, get help. Like, you know, there's a lot of stigma around how VAs don't help veterans and so many people go without help, but I I want you to tell everyone how, like, they were told, they told you four years and how long it's been and how much (laughs) money they go through. Keeping you alive, even though they said that you wouldn't survive this long.
0: Okay, so and why? Here's, here's my raggedy jokes. All right. So <laughs> in 2011, stop me when you he heard the joke. I died. Three days later, they brought me back. Um, didn't have me, didn't have me in my hands, but you know, get what you can. It was low rent. Um, so I had a massive heart attack and I ended up with a couple of that nobody can explain why I had the heart attack. I wasn't overweight. I was ridiculously active at the time. Um, history is like, I'm just a cardio, cardio person. I used to run, elliptical train, bicycle ride, all the craziness. So I died came back, um, I sustained a significant amount of damage both within my chest and in my head because I had 20 non-consecutive minutes of hypoxia so I have now have brain damage which is really cool. Um <laughs>
1: so you have actually have a reason for having brain damage the rest of us don't really have much of an excuse besides poor choices uh, i've
0: got a couple of reasons but no it's so it's a like it's a it's a for real like medically diagnosed like not that i probably have brain damage but no no here's my mid cortex frontal something or other damage um so anyhow the i the doc was like yeah you like I suffered like 30% cardiac death. So like I've got a chunk of my heart that doesn't work anymore. And they were like, Yeah, you'll you'll be lucky to survive four years. You'll won't you'll be you'll have to lead a sedentary lifestyle. You're not gonna be able to do much and you'll be dead in four years. I'm like, Well, thanks. That's awesome. Your bedside manner sucks. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> you're you're so encouraging, Doc. You, you truly believe in me. I feel it.
0: Right. So I did all the rehab because that was like the maximize my my time left on the planet, do all the things, get my body count, because if you're going to go out, go out like a legend. Um, and uh, yeah, so I went off, I went from one extreme of extremely healthy to the other extreme of. Every deprivation one can one can put on one's body, um, because I had zero fucks at this point. I mean, I got four years left to live. What's it matter? Try everything, do all the things. What if they bust me? So what? I'm gonna be dead in four years. But...
1: <laughs> all the cocaine. <laughs>
0: um. So yeah, found out that wasn't a good thing for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a little ouchy. So anyhow, um, fast forward. Yeah, I started riding everywhere like i lived seven minutes from where i worked and somehow it kept taking me two and a half days to get home so <laughs> back to the house <clears throat> and uh i would shower at work i would change into my uniform at work and then the rest of the time i would ride and i met a lot of cool people that way like i'd fall fall asleep and people's you know pastures, and they'd be waking me up like you you might want to move I got a got a muddle on, and there's a John Deere tractor sitting over there um so that was you know met met all my met a lot of my moonshine friends that way and uh they uh so yeah the docks were like four years so I'm now I just celebrated my eighth annual dead day and the I'm like Legit, I cost the I cost the government about twenty five thousand dollars a year if there's no emergency room visit, and I've managed to squeeze in one emergency at least one emergency room visit every year since the day I died. So, I'm <laughs> r- t- proud to be wasting my taxpayer money. <laughs> That's what I do.
1: <laughs> so he gets all of the care he needs, and you know. As you hear most veterans, they complain they don't get the care they needs. is a case that he does and he's costing significant amount of money. But you know, you never really mentioned that you died four times or they broke all your ribs. Well or... No,
0: but that's that that that's my sob story. I, I was saving that for later. Ah. Um no, so the, the full story goes, I, I died, they brought me back um via be a CPR, um, and one of the things because I was when I was when I was in the army, I was a medic, and so anybody who's ever taken any kind of first responder, um, especially if you work in emergency medicine, um, one of the jokes is if when you're doing CPR, if you're not breaking ribs, you're not doing it right, um, and this is a joke we tell quite frequently in the industry, and. Yeah. yeah, so when you're on the receiving end of that, and all your ribs are broken, that ah, sucks. Like breathing sucks. Getting to the getting up to go to the bathroom sucks. Like no, there's not a feel good sensation in there.
1: So life sucks.
0: Yeah, like for about eight weeks, life sucked hard. Um, there was no reach around. It was awful. <laughs> um, so one of the things that actually is like i think important to understand about va healthcare is understanding what is available both in the market you're in so like understanding what the va can and cannot provide we would like to think that you know we have all this like ready-made healthcare access when we really don't. I mean, the VA is competing against every other healthcare market for resources. So, like and they, the government has a cap on what they will pay a doctor. They have this it's the GS service scale. Um it's the general wages service scale and there's a cap for how much they will pay a doctor. Now, the doctor gets some benefits in there, but there's a cap. So, if you're looking for straight cash trying to get a provider to work for the VA is not an easy thing. Like there has to be some altruistic motive there for them to want to be in the providing care to the VA. Um, So part of it is a supply side issue where we just know there is not the providers to um, patient ratio that we would like to see. Um, And the other is the expectation of what you're going to get out of a meeting with your doctor. Like, there's a lot of people who think that they have a right to be pain-free. But biologically, that's, like, if you have damage, you A, you want your body to tell you that you're damaged, and B, like, there's no amount of... there's no amount of painkillers in the world that are going to make you functionally pain-free. Like it doesn't exist anywhere. Um, but there are things that you can do to reduce that. But there's also like the real realistic expectation of what you can, of what kind of healthcare you will receive anywhere. Um, and the VA, not the greatest, but not the worst that I've ever had.
1: I was going to say, um, I've met quite a few motorcycle riders and people who live on their motorcycles. And there's a pretty large community of uh, riders who are veterans that decided to take their usually pretty menial monthly monthly pensions or payments from their service and live on a motorcycle because it's a pretty cheap damn life. It can be. Yeah, until you're doing a 1,000 miles a day.
0: Um, and and that's part of it. But if you break it down, like if you think, okay, so thirty, you know, thirty days in, thirty days in a in a month, how much do I need per day to a ride a thousand miles, or to just ride whatever it is I'm going to (laughs) ride, and then have enough to eat, enough to do motorcycle maintenance? Like, there's a lot of that that you know. Hey, I, I'd like to do a thousand miles a day, but there's also that time where I have to stop for three days because I need a, I need a tire like badly, or I need to change my fluids badly. Um, you know, so there, there's some of that, this compromise as well. It's not like gung ho every day without exception.
1: I was just giving you shit. Cause I know how many thousand mile days you've done.
0: I, I do them frequently, and like part of it being semi nomadic, um, I guess, because I'm not a true vagabond in that I do have ties that I have to be back someplace at certain times of the year. Um, I have to be back in Never Neverland. I don't um, think that
1: really disqualifies you as a vagabond. It means you need fucking medications, not right. oh, yeah, I've got a girlfriend I got to go see, or oh, yeah, I got to go check in on my cat. Right.
0: You can get um, rid of that shit. Right. So, there's, you know, but there's a lot of that that, like, there's some really amazing resources that I, if I was more squared away, like, for some odd reason, like, with the internet being the way it is, being the amazing resource that it can be for more than just viral cat videos, um, like, you started, like, you starting Bunker Biker. Man, I wish I could use Bunker Biker. I'm just not that organized. Like, I'm not that squared away, but it's a great resource that, you know, you have people willing to open their homes. Um, you have people that are willing to let you, like, lawn crash, which is totally legit. It's a very cool idea. Like, but the imposition of, so, it's 2 a.m. I've decided I'm done riding for the day. And John, you know, I, I pull up Bunker Biker, and John lives down the street, and I try to call John at 2 a.m., Things can be a little grouchy. You know what I mean? Like um so an so AJ's
1: stance is that he rides until he doesn't until he's tired and wants to stop. And that right. could be anywhere at any time compared to if you're smart about it, you can save money by using things like Bunker Biker or free campgrounds. But AJ's not really picky. I've camped with him before and literally we were in Montana. I hung my hammock. And then he's on a rocky hillside and he puts down the crinkliest tarp you'll ever hear in your life. And then a little fleece slip (laughs) and then a little fleece bag. And then he just wraps himself in the burrito and lays on the rocks. And I'm like, all right, well, cool, if that's what you want to do. And then I proceeded to hear him crinkle all fucking night every time he turned. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why I I now coined the term crinkle burrito because of AJ.
0: I'd like to thank Harbour Freight for that designation. <laughs> in <laughs> I think that they
1: in no which case, I now factor. also call uh, <laughs> I now also call tarps uh, human tortillas.
0: Tortillas. Yeah. Hey, it is it is a bear burrito, thank you very much.
1: What about cow burrito? I mean, we didn't have any bears, we had lots of cows hanging out.
0: Right. It could have been a bear, though.
1: I don't know, I think the cows would have told us. Oh. We've had a pretty stalky cow. So AJ and I have traveled together a couple of times, and it's it's pretty interesting to to mix the writing styles between us two. Um, I'm the one who's made a career out of this, and this is what I do, this is the people I talk to. And then there's AJ. And he, like, and If I uh, concede to someone being a more badass writer than myself, it's definitely AJ. But he's like, I don't want to be talking about this. This is your thing. Oh, I think he went to the, the refrigerator. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, he sure did. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're at a a host's house in, in uh, and I'm in the bathroom, and he's in the bedroom. And I, <laughs> and I can hear him going out the door. <laughs> no, no,
0: I'm in the beer room.
1: Oh, the beer room.
2: That's my man, Beer Room.
1: Well, that's number one priority for AJ. He, the other thing that he's known for, if he does post an MMV or any of the groups, is that he goes from brewery to brewery, but no one realizes that the distance between each brewery.
3: <laughs>
2: I'm so at this drinking... brewery today, and uh, tomorrow I'll be at a brewery across the country. And,
0: uh... Well, it's more like, so, A, if we're going to be good about this, what do you call the first beer of the day? Anyone? Breakfast. Anyone? There you go. See, somebody pays attention. <laughs> <Knows what the laughs> going. Um, no, it's it's more like I'm really excited about like the microbrew brewery business. Um, I re- like a lot of brewers have their you know and bev contract stream, which which is a a sign of success. And being Anheuser Busch Beverage Corporation. Um and you can get your regional contract or national contract and that's how a lot of the microbreweries end up being sold nationwide. But then they tend to lose control over their over their recipes and ingredient selection. And now I'm by no means an expert on that side of it. But what I am an expert on is it tastes good. And there are times like when you're at the brewery and what you get at the brewery and what you get out of the bottle or the can three states away is some very, very different stuff. So
1: He you know, just spends I, all of his time going across the country to visit the breweries in person.
0: I do, because that's that. that
1: what do you drink, be... Dakota? Everything. Aren't you like a PBR person?
2: PBR fuck no. <laughs>
1: What about Rainier? No. Oh, oh! I thought you were a a shitty beer drinker, and I was gonna make a joke about it, but you'll never have. Do I look to
0: you? Michelob Ultralight?
1: No. Now you look lesbian.
0: (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh lordy. No. (laughs) No. So what do you drink?
1: What do you drink, Dakota?
2: (laughs) If 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 shit beer is all that's left, I don't drink.
0: (laughs) Okay, so shit beer is no excuse for sobriety.
2: It yep. is for me. It tastes like garbage. I had a Bud Light the other day after having some nice prime premium beers, and I spit it out. <laughs> it <laughs> just tastes like garbage.
1: <laughs> I, I don't really get a taste out of it. It's more of like, is this water in a can? Is this supposed to be flavored in, in any kind e- anyway?
2: Exactly. Exactly. It's, there's nothing there. Why drink so, it? There's nothing there. I'd rather drink
0: Seattle water.
1: Well, <laughs> What kind? What kind of? What kind of beer do you guys in Dakota? Are we
0: talking like directly out of the sound water, or are we talking river water?
2: No, like out of the freaking faucet in the crummiest dive bar that there is faucet.
0: Okay, uh, yeah. Okay, it's your thing. That's cool.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, no, ugh,
3: no. Uh,
2: no, so, I like uh, I like some premium IPAs. Uh, I've been trying a lot of different. Uh, there's like citrusy ones. That's pretty good. But I like the bitter. The better. Those really popular. Yeah, oh the bit, god. The bitter the better.
1: Because then that no ghost one no
2: one drinks my IPA. beer.
0: <laughs> Have you tried the Ghost Pepper IPA?
2: Ghost Pepper? No. Ooh, dude, I found this one. It's um by uh, Iron Horse Brewing. It's called Double Rainbow. Holy fuck, is it good? Yeah. Oh man, dude. It's a it's a solid shower beer, I tell you what. Yeah. Oh yeah. People oh, yeah.
1: people but, undervalue the importance of shower beers.
2: Oh, it's it's a necessity to a uh, good life.
1: What kind of beers do you drink, AJ?
0: Um, most everything except IPAs. I really like. I can recognize a well-crafted IPA. It's not my flavor profile for whatever weird reason.
1: What about I sours? Think, uh, <laughs> uh-uh. um, that's a, that's
0: a that's an acquired taste. That like I come. And I think part of it too has to do with what you what your background was. Um, like I came from a very lager rich Pilsner Kolsch background, um, German, right? You know, down to down, down to Hefeweizen, and I developed a genuine love for like stouts, um, exploring those you know English fruits and whatnot, Irish fruits. Um, but yeah, there's something about IPAs that. Like people are fundamentalist about uh, on both sides of the fence. There's just, there's nobody I've met who's like, eh, it was all right. I drink a six pack of that. It was either this is what I drink all the time, or this is what I drink none of the time. Like
1: whatever, I'm like that. Um, the thing <laughs> with AJ, he usually goes for the amber first, but um, I like I like IPAs. I don't like some IPAs, but I also drink ambers and uh other i like pale ales and some lagers and kolschers like everyone else but you know the lower end stuff it's just hard to taste after you fucking start in ipas right. exactly yeah Ooh, dark beers flavors. dark
2: beers are another good one i like dark chocolatey ones yeah, yeah it's pretty oh, good oh that's aj oh man well
0: so Coffee i'm a ones. seasonal drinker um and i found it odd like when i was up in idaho so as a as a traveling alcoholic um, i do <laughs> where they don't I like none of the none of the place none of the breweries that i went to and this let me caveat this by saying none of the breweries i went to had anything lighter than a lager so like when you're during the summertime that's like the lighter beer pilsner coal shandy kind of stuff um and I'm a very seasonal drinker. During the summer, I really like me a pilsner or a on a hot day. It's it's really good. Breaks the heat.
1: I like that a hot bit of apple cider on a 115 degree day.
0: But, but, hey, man, <laughs> whatever you're into. Um. So, like in the in the winter, like I get excited because fall winter comes around. That's when you start getting your your stouts and your nut browns that that are coming out. And those are always Nuts. exciting. But, yeah, oddly, I, like, couldn't find anything lighter than a lager up in Idaho. If anybody from Idaho knows a local brewery, like, tag it on this thing. Can they tag it? Can they do that? that they can the send it to possible? me, and
1: I can send it to you, so we don't have to, like, put your profile out there.
0: Or is they can just, like, tag it on the bottom of the podcast? Is that a thing? I don't know.
1: Yeah
0: somebody help me please like
1: we're, we're we're very unprofessional here we have no idea how this works we just record shit and then upload it
2: okay pretty much actually that's pretty but much exactly have, how it goes
1: <laughs> how about this so like if you have any brewery recommendations for aj just email us at motorcycle vagabond show at gmail or message z or dakota mostly z because dakota sucks
2: i don't go on facebook
0: <laughs> uh, no, you're busy You're busy dealing lines of brake dust Off a of hooker's ass
2: That's right, break dust for days
0: <laughs>
1: It's the funny thing is We're recording this episode during the Beginning of the coronavirus shutdown Beginning?
0: No,
2: no, has
1: been, no, no. We're just now shutting down
0: it's Nah, COVID-19. we shut down at the beginning of the week COVID-19 well, not, This is the first
1: time I we recorded since Everyone's been like, you gotta stay home if you're not Essential, and then Dakota's like Fuck, apparently I'm essential.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna be going to work through this no matter what. Even if we stop all routes, I still have to go to work.
1: (laughs) Even if you've
2: got that one bus that's still sitting there
0: from 1969.
2: Yeah, I just keep telling because I have a couple buddies that are drivers. I'm like, can you guys stop breaking shit so if you guys go home, we get to go home too? but that's not going to happen. We're we're going to be if anything we're gonna, the mechanics are going to be the only ones in the building at, at, at some point if it gets real bad.
1: Well, let me figure you can you can just if one of, like four people at your work already have it. So if everyone just goes ahead and gets it and you can all go to work together sick, it's fine.
2: Well, shoot. My uh my girlfriend's in between jobs right now. I was I was thinking of taking like a 3 week uh, self-quarantine for her safety, for her safety. I don't want to bring it back, you know. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a legit good try. Did it work?
2: I didn't ask. I haven't haven't gone through with it because three weeks is a lot of time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) interesting little side topic there if you're like in the matter of public health like being aware of what your local state, county is doing because there's a lot of places that are suspending rent so all of a sudden three weeks isn't that much time. Like if you think about it like, depending on where you're at, like, Seattle, they suspended evictions. Like, I don't know what's going to happen on the tail end about, I didn't pay my rent for, for a month and a half because I was on self-quarantine, but, like, right now, like, rent's not a, not a factor in
1: that equation. Yeah.
0: Like, you know what I mean? But
1: that's, that's kind of, like, where AJ and I exceed that. Like, we're talking about the houseless and homeless thing. We, we chose to be houseless before anything forced us into homelessness, if anything ever would. and and so now that everyone's like oh my god bills and and not rent and and it's just like welcome to our lives all of the time but as a traveler honestly this shit just made it fucking hard like i was i we we were at sonic and aj and i we'd met there a couple days ago and i went to the picnic tables to order because i'm on a fucking motorcycle and they're like you can't sit out here okay I'll go stand in the stall. I bet there's no coronavirus there.
2: <laughs> well, apparently, um, apparently it's I'm airborne
1: because I don't really have a home to go to. It is.
2: Uh, apparently, it's airborne. That's from what I've heard. My uh, right. one of my co-workers, his sister is a nurse and they shut down an entire floor and blocked off all the vents because it's
0: airborne. That's what I yep.
2: found. Yeah. That's, I'm like That's holy what shit zombie scary. virus yeah.
0: <laughs> well point. I mean there's it, there's and it's remarkably robust in that it will stay on surfaces for an extended period of time so you touch the toilet paper at the store you you, you pulled off too many rolls or like packs whatever you put a pack back now the next You know, like three days later, a guy goes and grabs the pack that you put back. You're now like you were COVID nineteen positive at the time you touched the you touched the package. Guess what they now have? Yep. Yeah. So it's amazingly robust in that I'm not like timeline is not a definitive thing, but it is amazingly robust. So it will last, but getting away from. The topic, uh, the timely topic of COVID nineteen, because this will be either won't ever be published because the world will have gone up in flames, or COVID nineteen will have resolved itself by the time this podcast airs.
1: Yeah, I think I think this will be like May before this one comes out.
0: Yeah, let's let's talk
2: about it like it like oh wait 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 we'll just, we'll just start making up stuff. You remember that time where they started just <laughs> shooting everyone? <Yeah>. Wow. <laughs> Oh, all,
1: they, put all the
2: fake news out there. Yeah, just start making up fake news. When when they
0: <laughs> people you will know, be listening to the start, podcast and be like, "What? What? When did that happen?" When they brought back the World War II ration cards and at the end of April of 2020 for toilet paper. Yeah, yeah remember those, dude? The, yeah, yeah, man, had I had to wait in line
2: out of Costco for an hour
0: outside. It was hot. Yeah.
2: <laughs> And so, so we, being... we were
1: at Walmart yesterday and Walmart was like, one packet of toilet paper per person on their very empty aisle of toilet paper. Yeah.
3: Oh,
2: I haven't gone to Walmart. I will stay away from Walmart. hundred percent. Amazon. Even, nope, so, Amazon yeah. everything.
0: Yeah. Amazon drones finally kicked off at the beginning of April of 2020. Yep. Because, you know, nobody wanted any kind of intermediate contact. So they just dropped toilet paper rolls at each house. Like, you know.
2: Dude, I'm telling you, none, none of these restaurants are going to open up again because I'm sure they're making a fucking killing with yeah. takeout only.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, and the, th- the interesting thing is, is, like, so you have people who are, um, you know, like the work from home front. So we have a friend, there, there, there's an acquaintance who does a job that could be done from home if the technology were provided. And the technology was finally provided for him to travel and do his job. Like The number of people working from home now like, is going to dramatically change the workscape of America. Because it's not like we're just going to start going back to work. Like It's not like we're going to start going back to a, an office, a storefront, a, a brick and mortar to do a lot of the jobs that all of a sudden can be done from home.
1: Well, yeah, that's going to finally show America that you don't need to be commuting every wow. damn day.
2: Yeah, yeah, get out of yeah. my way. I want, to ri- I want to ride home from work at 100 miles an hour, but all these goddamn cars are in my way.
1: Right. You can't go 100 but, miles an hour on a fucking DRZ.
2: I can go 100 miles an hour on a Tiger.
0: Hey, I What's can go
1: 100 miles an hour
0: on time? a 350.
2: <laughs> and actually, yes, it will go 100 miles an hour the DRZ if it's geared right. Absolutely. I, I mean, I wouldn't do it, but it'll do it. it like Downhill.
0: What's the tailwind?
1: With like a two-tooth back sprocket and a 65-tooth front sprocket? (laughs) (laughs) Geared like that? (laughs) No, it it will do
2: 100. DRGs are actually surprisingly fast for being a 400.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So back to the, uh, the topic of, I don't know, should we cut this out or leave this coronavirus shit in? Who knows?
2: Wait, I didn't set it I didn't set a time marker. Are you expect you actually expect me to listen through this thing to cut out stuff? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. so forty five minutes. He-
0: Hell no. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's uh, forty five so minutes of break test. So back <laughs> to the topic of veterans and medication and houselessness. Anything else that you'd like to say, AJ, or mention, um, you know, like it, the life isn't all so bad.
0: Well, it it never like If life is going the way you envision, like, I never, okay, let me, let me get my thoughts in order here on this one. So, when life is going good, life is going great. Um, There's never, there's very rarely a halfway in between. Um, And for each person, that's a very individualistic um, marker so with my particular mental disorders um when life is going great life is going great when life is going horrible it's really really fucking rough um so even at its worst on the road um when it's Uh, fucking 15 degrees winds blowing 90 miles an hour out of the east i'm at a 45 degree angle into the rain and it's a torrential downpour life is not fucking bad that's that that's even still at the worst it's it's a good day for me um
1: still on a motorcycle still free to do what you want still looking for that beer
0: right and maybe not the beer so much but it's it's everything else um that yeah it's the freedom that very much has that is the attraction there um what it does to your
1: mental state is is pretty incredible to to be able to live on your bike and go where you want and do what you want in comparison to now i'm a disabled vet or you know you know for me i'm just a psychotic woman that has no good excuse for why i have problems staying in one place for no fucking reason with no family and no reason to be here so you know taking life by the reins and actually getting on the road does amazing things to your to your happiness there's
0: there's also the attraction one of the i think one of the things that is missed there is the attraction of doing what you want when you want so even if i like if i choose to stay somewhere It's my choice to do so. It's not externally motivated. And that's an important part of that equation. Um, I can choose to stay somewhere or I can choose to get on the road. And it's when those external factors then are like, no, no, you need to stay here. That shit goes sideways quickly for me. Like, everyone wants you to be happy, just not in the way that you need to do it to be happy. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, like, the whole point was, with a lot of a lot of psychological issues, taking your life into your hands by being houseless on a motorcycle is beneficial in many more ways than just the obvious, like, oh yeah, you get to ride every damn day. Well, it's also that I get to choose what's going to make me, what my happiness is going to be today. Is it going to be... Going to the brewery and hanging out and getting drunk in the parking lot all day? Is it going to be riding all day? Is it going to be hanging out with some friends all day?
0: Sometimes sometimes it's a... Let's see how to put this. Sometimes the quantity of miles is what dictates my happiness. And sometimes the quality of miles is what dictates my happiness. And no one ever knows which one's going to be which on any given day.
1: Right. So, uh you have any questions, Dakota? You've been strangely quiet during this episode.
3: I've
2: been listening. I'm a good listener.
1: <laughs> I, I think you're learning a lot this episode because this is outside your uh, experience range.
2: Yep, I got zero. <laughs> I got nothing.
0: Zero, zero. That's not. all the brake dust.
2: Yeah, it's all the brake dust, dusty dust in my brain.
1: Are are you are you going? Are you needing to get a like a legit retardation diagnosis?
2: Not anything that I don't already have. <laughs>
1: uh, well, I guess if that's about it. I mean, I think we covered some good information for veterans who are doing this, and I, I I'm really big on people taking the this choice into their hands willfully, and not forcefully, and also realizing that you can own it, not be a victim of your situation.
0: Okay, so one thing I would like to reiterate to any veteran considering doing this is please, 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 please take all your documentation into your local VA and have it adjudicated by the VA and then get your results in writing. And know what those results mean according to the VA, not according to somebody on the street corner. But according to the VA because at the end of the day that's going to be the thing that saves your ass get it according to the VA
1: And I guess if your VA no really fucking sucks then change networks well
0: in general there's also an online option um at va.gov like well there's some VAs that report. are
1: what I'm talking about is there's some VAs that like they won't see their people for so long because they're so overcrowded with people or this notoriously bad service,
0: right? But you also, and like you, like you did say, that that is an option where you have the right to change location. And if you are considering a vagabond lifestyle, choose a location with a really good Yelp review. I don't know, um, like. To some place that has a a lower population, because that means that they'll have more healthcare assets available, and understand what you need healthcare for.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna say, and even with um, changing locations, if you don't have a friend there, um, I've had a friend, or I, I had someone from Bunga Biker let me use their address for a driver's license. So, I mean. Reach out into the motorcycle community and find someone who wouldn't mind letting you use their address so you can change VAs. It doesn't have to be someone you currently know.
2: That sounds like that's a bad idea.
1: Yeah, it works. <laughs> I mean, I'm just as far putting as, as you know, like,
0: silence from him, like,
1: <laughs> I'm
0: thinking about how, how, how to refute that because that is kind of a bad idea because you're talking about if you, that's somebody you need to develop a relationship with. Because you're, you're having your medication shipped there, possibly. Oh, um, well, yeah.
1: You know, develop a relationship. Don't be like, i have known you one day. Like, I actually talked to someone. But there's a lot of veterans out there who would fucking lend, lend you a hand, especially in the motorcycle community. Right. You know, go hang out with them for a few weeks. Make friends. You know, make sure that they'll send you your medication and not take it for themselves. Who fucking knows?
0: Right. Not that anybody in the motorcycle community would do that, ever.
1: No, honestly, I
0: don't think it would. Everyone's peachy.
3: Right.
0: (laughs) Wow, we're going down a dangerous road here. Let's do it. (laughs) Hey, time mark this part of the the podcast and delete it quickly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, we tend to just let this shit show be a shit show.
0: But there is a certain amount of... uh, Okay, so seriously, that's kind of like... You're, you're talking about some misdemeanors, possibly felonies, on there
1: for having an address at a friend's place.
0: Yeah, if just yeah. Anyhow, um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess it depends on what you well. need it for. Like, I guess it depends on what you need it for. If you need a lot of like controlled substances in your medication, maybe like you know have someone that's actually a good friend or family member to, to put your address at, but. If you're just needing to have your loca- your, clo- your location chosen for occasional visits, I don't think it's going to matter that much.
0: No, not not really, but it's a, it's a place that you need to be able to get back to reliably. So, you know, depending on...
1: That Montana?
0: Montana in the winter could be a bit of a difficult ride. Just Shit,
1: you're in fucking Tennessee, and that's even hard to get to sometimes.
0: But you also need to plan it out, like, you know when your appointments are and get there before the weather. Like, there, there is some, like, how how long are you willing to be housebound? And I don't know that I'm willing to be housebound for six months in Montana. Like, ouch. Ouchie.
1: Yeah, you get pretty pissy after you get stuck for, like, two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess figure it out for yourself. There's options. It's all about what you're willing to risk and the people you know are willing to risk.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Awkward so, turtle I'm <laughs> yeah. yeah, hey, just definitely. saying
1: <laughs> I mean as far as this life is concerned I've had to do a lot of sketchy ass shit to maintain being able to do this
0: Right you know, and I understand that it's just it's, it's a little you know and most of it is getting because you can get a mail to like mailbox or any of the postal services as long as you're going to be somewhere for however long it's going to take you to get your medication, mm-hmm. if you have that, it doesn't necessarily need to be mailed to a per a, a residential location. Um,
1: well, that's what I don't really understand. Like, I'm not saying mail your medication to someone's house. I'm saying use their address as like this is your proof that you're in this network, and like get it yourself.
0: Which. Most of most of the VAs now are going to a mail order service. They're not going to in person pickup, so that does make it a bit of a both Ooh. a challenge and it does make it easier if you know how to, if you can use that because you can it, call it in but, and be like I'm because like literally a lot of the VA, a lot of the VA clientele is retired, and I've seen meds shipped to a campground. I'm gonna be here for the net. You know, if you're if you're one of those folks that likes to move into a region and explore that region for 10 to 15 days from a fixed location, like hey, I've got a really good campground or I've got a really good host and I can stay there for a while, you can get your medication mailed there too while you're there.
1: Well, the medication's one thing, but don't you need to like say you you're a Minnesota resident and you want to move your network to Arizona? Do you just fucking call the VA or show up at that VA to be like, yeah, this is the VA I want to use, um, and they just start seeing you? Or do you need to be like, here's the address that I quote-unquote live at, so that way now I can start getting my mail-order medications from this VA?
0: Um, actually, the, the mail-order, so if you're just starting it, yes, you have to have a, a like, you have to be in that network area. Well, yes.
1: so what I'm saying is using someone's address for that point, not for like having your medication sent to them, but like as your starting point of proving that you're in the network.
0: Right. Yes.
1: Which is like, I need a driver's license. I don't actually stay in any one state for too long, but someone lets me use their address so that way at least like I can get the document. And then from there, everything that I ever need gets mailed as well, wherever the right. I am.
0: Yeah. No, I see what you're saying. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Yeah. That's, that's why I'm over here like, why do you guys like think this is a bad idea? This is just to get the ball rolling and to, you know, quote unquote, prove a physical location. And then from there, you know, you handle everything yourself. It's just for that simple start of an address.
0: As long as it's an area that you can get back to. That is well, yeah. kind of the thing.
1: If you're going to be a motorcycle valuable and you're not going to stick your fucking residence in the north parts of the country. You're going to try to stay somewhere south. But that was my only point. Right. Anyways, I guess we can probably.
2: A lot of gay babies born this episode.
1: <laughs> gay babies? <laughs> is, is that your awkward silences? Uh, yeah. Joke? Every
2: five second <laughs> awkward silence or something, a gay baby's born. Yeah.
1: I'm sure is my best probably really enjoy that joke. Apparently, that's how that
2: works. Pretty sure.
1: Hmm. I'm going to have to see some scientific backing on this one.
2: Science and sciences whatever. So highly <laughs> overrated. Yeah, science is overrated. <laughs> science is for nerds. And-
1: it's actually, it, if you've known AJ long enough, it's not awkward silences, it's him trying to think how to refute. <laughs> the,
0: the, the operative word they're being, trying to think. <laughs> wow.
1: I'm, I'm not proud. I make fun of a retarded guy all the time. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Let's let's go ahead and end this one before it gets worse.
2: <laughs> All righty. Well, goodbye, everybody.
1: Bye, everyone.